0: This morning, we're gonna, I'm going to read from John, the 10th chapter, and I'm going to start in verse 1. Truly, truly, I say unto you, or I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper, or the porter, as some versions say, opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, and that's what he does, he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them. He goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they will simply not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus spoke to them, but they didn't understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters in through me, he will be saved. He'll be delivered and will go in and out and find pasture. Meaning he goes into me, finds pasture. And then when he goes out, he still has it for himself and shares it. The thief comes only to what? To steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come. I, I came that they might have life. That they may have it. And have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. We see this again in First John 3. and verse 16. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf come, coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. Notice, fold, he said. And then I must bring them also. And they will become one flock. And there's a difference here. The fold is, is those Jewish disciples. The flock is you and I, the church of Jesus Christ. And there is this difference. Same, same love, but a greater intensity and intimacy. So I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also. They will hear my voice and they will become one flock. Notice what it says with one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me. Again, this teaches that death never took him. Death did not take him on the cross. He gave himself over to the Death and to death, and gave a triumphant cry, Tetalesti in John nineteen and verse thirty, with a very loud voice, cried out, "It is finished. He propitiated the Father when he cried that satisfied the Father about the sin question john one twenty nine and then all those that would come to him as a substitute he dealt with their sins. He crucified their old nature in Romans 6, 1-6 to and paid for all of their sins. Those sins of those that would receive him. And so we see this brought out. For this reason, the Father loves me in John ten seventeen because I lay down my life so that I might take it again. And what he's teaching here is, is what we see in John the 17th chapter in Jesus Christ's high priestly prayer as he's facing the cross. He makes the statement that he's finished the work in John 17 and verse 4. So what that's teaching us is prior to him even going to the cross, he had already finished it. But that cross would be the manifestation and revelation of the eternal mind of God manifested in time that it was done. The scriptures that bring that out are Revelations 13 and verse 8 and Hebrews 4 and verse 3. And so he said, no one has taken it from me in John 10, 18, but I lay it down of my own initiative, my own self. I have authority to lay it down. And I have authority to take it up. This commandment I received of my father. So what that means is the life life that Christ has given us when we receive him in Colossians 3 and verse 4 is that very life of his own that he takes back up again to be with him. The fellowship with him intimately in Revelations two and verse seventeen, and so here we see this very very clearly. This is again, and I'm going to read the scriptures normally. Again, I I don't do it quite like this, but this morning, this is the way that God is is leading, and so this is the way that that I'll do it because it is always best to follow God's leading. This is Ecclesiastes the twelfth chapter and verses 9 through 13 this is the purpose of the preacher and the teacher now the purpose of the preacher and teacher in Ephesians chapter 1 is specifically in that on those first 23 verses where it talks about the purpose in, in Ephesians 1:9 and Ephesians 1:11 to 13 it's God's purpose so the pastor is not preaching or teaching himself he's he's a vessel of Christ in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8 and 11. He's a vessel for the one shepherd to pour himself through those under shepherds to him first and to the others. So this is Ecclesiastes 12, verse 9. In addition to being a wise man, the preacher, and this is the Solomon through the Holy Spirit speaking about himself, the, pre- the preacher also taught the people knowledge. Jeremiah 3 and verse 15 Jesus said, the Holy Spirit, obviously through the work that Jesus had accomplished eternally and that he was going to reveal in time, said through the Holy Spirit, said through the prophet Jeremiah in 3 and verse 15, I will give you passes according to my heart. Heart, there's my mind. My mind, my deep love, my deep and intimate love and affections for them. I will give you passes according to my mind, which will feed you with knowledge and understanding. So here, it says again, the preacher, in addition to being a wise man, the preacher also sought, also taught the people knowledge. And he pondered, and this is meditation in Psalm 39, 1 through 3, goes through what meditation is. It has been, it's, we are given knowledge, but to grow in it in Second Peter 3 and verse 18, to grow in that life that Christ has made each of ours, in 1 John five eleven we need to meditate, and meditation is not necessarily something that we learn brand new, but that we need to meditate over and over and over again over and over, and we'll see how it works here. So the preacher pondered and searched out, searched out, and arranged many proverbs, and what this is teaching is is first Timothy five and verse seventeen and first thessalonians five thirteen and 14 where it says that the preacher and the teacher in the in the in this time of grace the church the church time he is to labor in the word till he is physically exhausted mentally and physically exhausted to bring it out to bring these things out now of course it's all all according to the grace and truth that christ is but there is labor involved in it and that's what this is bringing out. He searched out and arranged many proverbs. This can take decades. <laughs> it could take decades. And uh, and it does too, by the way. The preacher sought, notice this, he sought to find delightful words and to write words, to write words of truth correctly. The words of wise men are like goads. They're goads. You know, in an ox goad, And this is brought out in Acts the 9th chapter 1 through 6 when Saul was breathing out yet still threatenings in Acts 9 verse 1. Jesus Christ appeared to him, knocked him down by just showing enough of his brightness to put him down. To put him down to a place where he would hear and receive. And that's what God has to do many times with us. He has to put us down, humble us, So that we actually come and be in a place to receive, because who does God give grace to in 1 Peter 5, 6, and James 4, and verse 6? He gives it to those that he's humbled. And so the ox go there was what the shepherd would have, and it was a long pole. On one end was a point, on the other was a curved hook. And a lot of times, God uses the word, and he uses loving chastisement to hook us so we don't keep going. Thinking, believing certain things. And then he points it. He he uses the word to point us. And that's what he was doing with Paul. He said, it is hard for you to kick against the ox goads. That's what he said in Acts chapter 9, 1 through 6. And this is what this does. Some think, and the enemy would have us to believe, that when the word comes in and trips us up and points us, that somehow the deliverer of that word is against them when it is the word of God flowing through them, through them, to bring them into a place of safety, comfort, and resting in his love. You know, Saul was never the same again. Never. And neither are you and I once we receive Christ. He was never the same again. Ever. Ecclesiastes 12:11. The words of, of wise men are like goads. And here's what it says, and masters of these collections. This is not like we hear today, they have a master of divinity. No man has ever mastered God. That means he's mastered by Jesus Christ. This is Ephesians 4, 8, where it says he gave, he gave, he gave gifts unto men. What that's teaching there in Ephesians 4 and verse 8 is not the gifts that the men have, that's enumerated in Ephesians 4.11. He is saying the men themselves that are under him, connected to him, become that gift to, to others. And this is what this is bringing out. But that's what he does. The masters, That's can you serve two masters in Matthew 6 and verse 24? Can I serve the flesh and can I serve God as a Christian? Nope. I'll either worship one or worship the other. I'll either hate one and love the other, or love one and hate the other. (laughs) We never hate who we are in the Christ, but we make a solid, finished work, sound judgment against the self-life that we could potentially function in and experience, and yet God never condemns us. Christ never condemns us in Romans 8 and verse 1. So the words of wise men, Wise, if they have wisdom, who is, the, who is the power of God and the wisdom of God? In First Corinthians 1, verse 24, it is Christ. You'll see that in Proverbs, the eighth chapter, where it talks about wisdom. You can go into the 20s, start in, start in the 20s there, and uh, Proverbs, the eighth chapter, and go right down to the 36th verse, and you will see that that is Jesus Christ in eternity, putting on humanity and coming out as the very power and wisdom of God. That's why we're kept by the power of God in 1 Peter 1 and verse 5, because we have a shepherd. We've been kept positionally. Now he needs to teach us that he still needs to keep us experientially while while we're in this world. But in John 17 and verse 16, we are not of this world. We are not of it. We don't live like the world. We don't do the things like the world does. We don't watch certain things on TV like the world does. We don't do anything like that. God in Exodus 11 verse 7 in 1 Kings eighteen twenty one he put a difference between Egypt, the world system, and Israel, those that that is chosen. He puts a difference. He puts a difference between them. Well, the words of the wise are, are like goads and masters, those that are mastered about these collections, the whole word of God are like well-driven nails. (laughs) Oh, do we think for one second that the flesh wants the cross applied to it where Jesus was nailed? No. And is that God being against us? But for us in Romans 8.31 and Psalm 56 in verse 9. Well, they're like well-driven nails, they are given from one shepherd that's Jesus Christ. Many times others have been taught that that would be a particular pastor teacher. never says that in the original, ever single, one single bit, the one shepherd is Jesus Christ himself. This is, again is brought out in John the tenth chapter but beyond beyond this, my son, be warned now he has to warn, and he really has to warn young men. It's, Young men and then young women. But especially, he has, to, he has to warn both young men and young women because the enemy will try to get them to change roles. Role reversal. Role reversal. That's what the enemy's constantly trying to do. Role reversal. We said this morning, I said this in a conversation with my wife, Jean, this morning I said, we women, we all have to be very careful. Women women especially, why? Because they're the weaker vessel. Are they the lesser vessel? Of course not. You know, because when God said in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, when God created man, he created him in his image. Do we think for one second that he did not see Eve and Adam? And of course he did. Of course he did. But there's a specific order there. There's a very specific order in that relationship and it does have to do with protection. And this brings out, again, very beautiful, 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 3, the head of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is the man. The head of Christ is God. We see it in finality. But this is where young men, especially gifted ones, need to be extremely more careful. The more gifted that men may be, the more the more they are open to the attacks of the enemy. I can tell you this without any question. Not because I think I'm highly gifted in any sense at all. No, I don't. I'm not thinking that way. But I can tell you the attacks of the enemy are relentless and nonstop. I wish. I wish I could put it in words, but, but I can't. And I can't expect others to think that way and to go through what only I have gone through because the battle is the Lord's in Exodus 14, 14, first Samuel 17 and verse 47. There's no question about that, but it is a fierce, 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 fierce battle behind the scenes when no one's there behind the scenes when nobody is there, very fierce, but especially for young people, because because they can be a neophyte, they can be new not just newly saved in first Timothy three six, not just newly saved, but understanding new truths. Brand new need to be very, very careful, young, young men, gifted men. They need to be very, very careful. Why? Here's the warning. But beyond this, my son, be warned warned. The writing of many books is endless. Meaning you cannot, we should all study. Now again, 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15 in its context and in isagogic, his historical frame of reference, that was an apostle to a young pastor. Let's just get that one straight. (laughs) We all should study. That's given to a pastor first and foremost. That's the hermeneutical rule. First and foremost, to a young pastor, Study, listen to what it says to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be to be ashamed, rightly di- dividing correctly, as we read here in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 9 to 13. But to do it correctly, correctly. And by the way, they are males. A, a pastor teacher is always masculine singular in Hebrew. Jeremiah 3 and verse 15 and in Ephesians 4.11 in, in this time where God is, is, is taking out those that, that he has given to Christ and through local assemblies those that are born again they are males. They take the initiative. They take the initiative. They do. But only rightfully when they're connected to the head and this again is Ephesians 4 and verse 8. Beyond this be warned. The writing of any books is endless. An excessive devotion to books is wearing, wearying to the body. Wearying to the body. Now this is the conclusion. <clears throat> when all has been heard, is this? What is it? Reverent, reverently, reverently fear, reverently in awe, honor God and guard His commandments, because this applies to. Every person. This brings out the beauty of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. Brings it out crystal clear. Crystal clear. Listen, don't buy the enemy's lie. You know enough just to get by. That's all you need. That is a lie. Don't you want your children to grow? Do you want them to grow up? Or do you want them to be just have just enough and be little kids? Don't you want to have an intimate and deep relationship with him? Wouldn't you teach them? Of course you would. Don't buy the lie. This is too deep. It's too much. God made me this way. Listen, God made us in the image of his son, and he's given us the fullness of him. So please don't buy the lie that that is not enough for you, or when the word is coming, to shut yourself off because the enemy says, this is too much for you. You don't need this. Please, do not buy the lie. He's the father of all lies. It is for every single one of us. You can see what we, when we put our minds to do something, and when we really want that something, you tell me what stops us. How much more in spiritual things. Do not buy that lie. This is how God made... Listen, no, he made you in his image. He made you in his image. Yes, he did. And these things are yours. And of course, we're all growing in them. And, that, and that's why we need patience again. But as it was, was bringing out, as we brought out, for the young men, they need to be, and, and, and older men, but especially young men, in First Timothy 3, 6, we need to be very careful. They need to be
1: extremely careful.
0: And women. Not because they're lesser. Listen, not because they're lesser. <laughs> It, but because the the weaker vessel, that's what it says. I didn't say it. God said it. I didn't say it. And this can be challenging. This can be very challenging. Try being married in a marriage and then having a pastor in the marriage. Extremely challenging. Very challenging. Very, very, very extremely challenging. But you know what? The challenge, God is always equal to the challenge because the challenge would not be there if it wasn't to humble us for God to give us grace. There's absolutely no question about it. Otherwise, men, any of us, I don't care who you are and who I am in the body of Christ, loved by him without an ounce of condemnation. In 1 John 2, 12 to 14, there are babes. You want to stay a babe? You're going to let the enemy convince you you're a babe. As an adult? You want, to con- you want to be convinced of that? You're a babe. Okay, so then you want your child to stay a baby, don't you? Babes, young men, and spiritual dads, we all, all can be open to deception. Listen, especially leaders. No wonder it says in Acts 6, 4. We won't serve tables anymore. We're not to go out and try and earn a living like everyone else does. We're to be supported by preaching and teaching, praying, praying, and the Bible makes it clear if you've got a problem with that, you've got a problem with God. Okay? Very simple. The pastor gives his spiritual things, come back the material things. That's scriptural, you've got a problem with it, you've got a problem with God, not with me. Simple as that. Okay? It's very simple. The, the word is very, very simple. And we can get so deceived when we refuse simplicity. And that's 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. And women can get, and I'm just telling you, women can get very, very, very easily deceived about money. I want to make that crystal clear. Any of us can, but it's uh, with women without a question about And men too, without any question about it. Get very deceived. When we function in deception, when we function in deception, we we begin to operate as our own saviors. Listen, that's deception. You don't need a savior. You can do it yourself.
1: You do not need a savior. God
0: didn't give us a list of things. He gave us the word. That's what he gave us. He gave us this word on a continual basis. To grow and not stay parked in one little thing. Let we'll me make it crystal clear this morning. There's no question about this. There's absolutely no question about it. Not everything about functioning in our place as men and women and, and as portions in the body of Christ is all about protection, God's love protecting us. There's absolutely no question about it. Listen, and please listen, 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 listen to me, listen. God is, who is he preaching this to? Is he bypassing me in any way? Who's my head? Same as yours. Is he bypassing me? He's certainly not bypassing you. So you don't have to ask the question, is this for you? Because if it was for you, that's between you and God. It is not between me, you, and God. Please understand that. And that can be very challenging. Very challenging. There's a huge challenge in it. But it can always be met through the humility of grace functioning in our proper place. Every every time. Should we ever leave our place? Should we ever do that? Never. Never, never are we to leave our place. Because it always speaks of protection. There's no question about that. Now, the conclusion in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13, when all has been heard, when all has been what? Heard here means submitted to. So here's the word as it comes. Here's the word as it comes. And what is my option? Obedience or what? Disobedience. Just like this. In which, who will take advantage of one? Christ will take advantage. Advantage, he takes advantage, that's the obedience, our obedience being fulfilled. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6. Weapons of our warfare in 2 Corinthians 10, and verse 4, it is not carnal, but it's mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds, some of those strongholds we take from childhood. We do, all of us, no matter how we grew up. There's a, there's a certain amount of a stronghold. I don't care how we grew up. God had that in mind, and there were certain strongholds we need to be delivered from. Okay? And it's through God's word. It's through God's word. Maybe we missed it in our childhood, but we have the opportunity right now. That's what we have. We have that opportunity. Weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination, false reasonings. We all had that in us. Our parents did the best that they could, but maybe that was, the, <laughs>
1: that was what they did the best. Not saying we
0: weren't loved, cared for, cherished, and for those reasons. And I believe that. And if it was, I'll guarantee you that was God in them. It wasn't something they did apart from him. That would be true about any of us, no matter how we grew up. Or didn't grow up, I should say. Casting down imaginations, which is false reasonings based upon lies, and every high thing, the angel of light in Second Corinthians eleven verse fourteen. You know the enemy's constantly telling you and I. He's going to tell us the same. He told us the same in our unsaved state. He's going to tell us the same today when we live in the flesh. You don't need a savior. You don't need someone teaching you. You don't need it. You can be your own savior. You can heal yourself. No, Psalm 107, verse 20, he sent his word. Listen, and he healed them. And he delivered them from all their self-destructive patterns. No question about that. Every bit of it this morning is for every single bit of us. Listen, please, every single bit that's been, that's this morning is for every single bit of us. Period. There's no question about it. So the whole conclusion when all has been heard is reverence God and keep his commandments because this applies to who? Every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. Now, in our case, in the Bema seat, we will see the wood, hay, and stubble, which was evil, consumed by the jealousy and fire of his love. That's what it will be at the beaming seat. There's no terror there whatsoever. Matter of fact, there's no terror for us. Matter of fact, when I receive the word as God loving me, no matter how it pierces or trips me, it just encourages me to continue to hunger for more. The enemy wants us to stay babes with his lies, by the way. I'm going to read Acts, the 20th chapter, then we'll finish in John, the 10th chapter. This is John. 20. This is what Paul faced because we live in the same time frame as Paul did. Did you know that? All those years ago, when the church began in Acts, the second chapter, we're included in all of that. Did you know? And for any that are going to preach and teach the word, there's no question about it. This is what has this is what's going to happen, and this is what we face. And this is what many may not be aware of. But the pastor teacher, under connected to the head, can be very aware of it. Even when, even in a close group, when you may not be aware of things. Because in that sense, God's still protecting you. You may not have seen, but he allows others to have seen it and gone through it to, and understand his protection. And you could be in a small group and that's going on and you can miss it, but there's protection involved in that. Here's Acts 20. Acts 20, 24. But I do not consider my life to be my own, of my own account of any account, as, as dear to myself. Do not live in for himself. This is Philippians chapter 2, verses 3, 4, 5, and 21 of Philippians chapter 2 because of Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. I don't consider my life of any account as dear to myself, the self-life, everything about me, so that I may finish my course and the ministry, and this is brought out in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 17, so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I received from the Lord. So you don't go to a ministry, you have one. Make that crystal clear. You don't leave the body of Christ. You may leave a local assembly. You never leave the body of Christ. And furthermore, in Christ positionally, you can never be a casualty. I'm to make those things crystal clear this morning. Which I received from the Lord. So if he received it from the Lord, that is the motivation and means for him to not love his own life. He's got something far better. He has Christ, and we have him. To testify as a witness through collecting all those proverbs and going through spiritual warfare and decades by God's grace of the word and learning through our own mistakes and sins and failures and the failures of others, but far more who Christ is in his person and what he's accomplished. To testify solemnly, solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that all of you among whom I went preaching the kingdom, God, Christ's rulership, will no longer see my face. That's another thing. Tomorrow's not promised to any of us. Five minutes from now, an hour, not promised to any of us. You can see that in James, the fourth chapter. Look at verse 13, 14, and 15. Makes it crystal clear of what what can be. Therefore, I testify to you to this day that I am innocent, free of the blood of all men. Why? For I did not shrink from declaring unto you the whole purpose of God. All the counsel of God. All the counsel of God. He wants his kids to grow up. Don't shut yourself off even now.
1: Don't react. Don't resist. Don't do it. Because it's love and it's protection.
0: I didn't shrink from declaring unto you the whole purpose of God. And, of course, we know, we, know that that purpose, we know that that purpose is Christ himself. That's what we know. We know clearly that the purpose is Christ himself. This is brought out in Ephesians, the first chapter, verses 1 through 23. The whole purpose, again, is brought out in, John, in Romans 8, 28 and 29. The whole purpose is Christ himself. We preach Christ not ourselves. That's 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 5, so that your faith doesn't stand in what I may preach, but in Christ, in your own individuality. And 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Be on guard for yourselves. God's given us this counsel this morning to be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. Depending upon how you rightly relate, your relationship is to Christ in, in intimacy is how you will relate to everyone else in the local assembly. That's what it's saying. We can be a joint that supplies or divides. That's Ephesians 4 and verse 16. Be on God for yourselves and for all the flock, among whom the Holy Spirit has made you to be overseers. Huh? And then, here specifically, he's speaking to leaders, bishops, overseers, leaders. And men and women can lead other women and young children. You'll see this in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus how to function in our proper place. Listen, and that's for us today. This is for us today. We need to be on our guard. We need to. Who's made you overseer to shepherd the church of God? which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. This is all the evil, wrong teaching. That we can be so susceptible that we, even in not knowing any better, thinking the best, build someone up and the way that they're living and the way that they may have been brought up or brought up others. Without
1: God. Without him.
0: I'm not saying don't love people. Love them. Never edify them in anything about the world. Ever. Ever, never, never. You just encourage them to live that way. And we could do that ignorantly. This is why we need
1: specifics in the word of God, by the way.
0: Savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among you, that means those that want to come in. Those that you invite in. Please. Please understand this. You invite them in. And the enemy through them, ignorantly, can be acting as a savage wolf against you. I want to make that clear this morning. Precisely. Yes, and also here, here, and this is why we have to be careful, this is why I I want to be very careful in, in love and protection about who comes here and the reasons why they even come here. Because of this reason, and it can be ignorance, stubbornness, rebellion, or as a joint that supplies. And we're to think the best of each other in Christ, but there still has to be correction. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. You know, the enemy, okay, he wants to constantly tell us that even when we're in the flesh, that's fellowship. Not. If you want to know the difference, and let's know it together, we can read Ephesians, the fifth chapter, and look at the first four and five verses. And 1 John chapter 1, 1 through 3, that's fellowship. Fellowship is Christ. That's the only thing we have in common. Nothing about the flesh. Not one single thing about it. This is the word of God this morning. This is not the word of Ed. That's 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13. Boy, do I ever mean it without a smirk or a smile or anything. I mean it with all my heart.
1: To draw disciples after them. You've
0: got to be careful what you hear. You may think and I may think we have enough of the word that we can entertain and hear other things. No, you can't. The Bible makes it clear, and I'm making it clear this morning to give you definition. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, Evil companions corrupt good manners. That's what it says. You may think you're going to win them. And I believe in prayer. You've got to be very careful. Very careful. And right now, the only way that I'm speaking is as a pastor teacher. That's the only way I'm speaking. I'm not speaking in any other way or any other relationship. That I want to make crystal clear because it is. Make no question. Don't have a question or a doubt about it. Please. Therefore, be on the alert remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish one with tears. You have no idea. And and none of us do. And I think heaven's going to reveal just how many of our prayers entered into tears, communication of tears for each other when we weren't even aware of it. And I know that's true about people that love me. And I know that's true about my love in Christ for them. And I mean literal tears. Literal tears. And that's Acts 20, 19 and 31 with tears. And now I commend you. Listen to what it says. I commend you to God. Listen to this. And to the word of his grace. To the word of his grace. Who is that? That's Christ. To the word of his grace, which has that supernatural ability to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold. Others may do that.
1: Hard to give it up. <laughs>
0: Very hard to do that. <laughs> to trust God. <laughs> you know? I might have to be obedient, but boy, oh boy, if I do, what happens if I don't get what I think I need? You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs. He only did that at times. You know, in Acts 18.3 there were times he had to work with his hands. You know why? Because he wasn't being supported. Yeah. He wasn't being supported the way he should. There were other, literally, there were other local assemblies that God had to raise up to support him when those where he was wouldn't. <laughs> this is the word of God, by the way. It's not the word
1: of Ed. I can show you right here. I can show you right here where it is. We're almost done. In everything I showed you that by working
0: hard and manner you must help the weak. This, this always is, is the in-depth study of the word of God. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them, and they began to weep aloud and embrace Paul, and repeatedly kissed him. That speaks of a a loving submission to him. Grieving especially over the words which he had spoken, that they would not see his face again, and they were accompanying him to to the ship. This is what Jesus has done. I'm going to bring this out tomorrow, and all through the next week, Just how this was brought out in John, the 10th chapter, about how much he loves us. How deeply, how deeply our Savior loves us. And how every person in the Godhead was engaged to carry out the divine counsels concerning Christ and his sheep. Very briefly, the father sent his son. Because... He was free to do so because he was propitiated. Every Christian should understand propitiation. That's right. Every Christian should understand substitution. Every Christian should understand reconciliation. They should understand these things. They are not beyond your capacity. Again, don't believe the lie of the enemy. He only wants you to be protected a little bit. They don't want you to be fully protected and covered by love in Proverbs 10:12 and 1 Peter 4 and verse 8. Then we have the Son, and they're calling his sheep by name, and he leads them out. You know where he leads us out? And you know what he's doing this morning? He's leading us out from the experience and influence of man's world under the prince and power of the air in Ephesians 2:2. 2, 2. We're very different. We're very different than the world positionally. Then he goes before them. He goes before them, giving his life for them. Notice, and forming them into one flock. And I'm going to, we'll go into the difference between the fold and the flock and what Jesus was talking about here so that we can understand the scriptures, so that when we read them, we can have a full understanding about what we're reading. He gives us life for them, forming them into one flock, one mind. We all think together. And then the Holy Spirit, who's under the, the figure of the doorman, the porter. You know what a porter was, a doorman? On 44 School Street in Boston, there was this awesome hotel, very exclusive. And there would be a doorman, and he would be dressed, and he would open the door to let people in, and he, he'd close the door, and then he'd open it to let them out this is Jesus Christ, what he does. He lets us in.
1: He lets us in. And then we go
0: out. And what that is, is John 10, 10b. He came that we might have life and then go out and give it in abundance. Because we go in and he fills us up. We have the Holy Spirit. And he opens the door for Christ so that his voice is heard and the sheep are drawn to Christ. Listen, in him alone. Him alone. Him alone. We point people to Christ, period. Period. Period, that's it. Don't point them to anything else. No. Nothing else will do but him. Nothing else will do but his love. So there's been, and then we'll close. Moreover, and, and, and the whole issue, and we saw this in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13, that there's no power of the devil, no opposition of man. Let me tell you, there were some opposing things going on. Let me just tell you straight out. Maybe some weren't aware, but there were opposing things going on. Intensely, intensely.
1: No opposition of man, nor even any failure of those that are taught could
0: prevent the counsels of God from being carried out. And they will be. They will be carried out because he loves us deeply and he wants to carry them out in us and through us and carry them out and use us as a vessel to give them to others, to be his written epistle about his love and the difference between love of God and love of the world and nothing blurred about it, but crystal clear. And that's why the word has to come in. I'm telling you, and separate the soul, self-conscious interpretation of the word of God from the spirit. Because God, and this is Hebrews 4.12, because God is a spirit, it's not a spirit, God is spirit. And he seeks worshipers. He's seeking. He's not just seeking them. Of course he's seeking them so that they'll they'll be born again and be saved. But he's seeking them to worship his son and him alone. I want to make that clear this morning. And nothing else. No system of learning. Nothing. If it doesn't involve Christ, it's worth less, value less. If it's not Christ, that's true for any of us. True for any of us. And Father, we thank you for your precious word this morning, for your precious love. And I really want to get into this Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, all about the depth of your love for your sheep and everything that you've done and everything that you have accomplished already to bring it to pass. For your babes, for your young men and women, for your spiritual dads and, and hopefully and truthfully for spiritual dads and for spiritual moms. Father, we thank you for the depth of your love. In Jesus' name,
1: amen. <laughs>